Hello, and welcome to a, another episode of Pinot and Perfume. I am your host, Sarah Chacon. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. I hope your families are doing something <clears throat> great to celebrate. Um, my husband, while we are not technically parents yet, uh, we still are celebrating Father's Day in our own way, kind of like Mother's Day. Mother's Day, he made me a shepherd's pie. And for Father's Day, he got himself a kayak. And uh, the idea is, obviously, I can't kayak right now. And probably not until maybe next season. But he's really interested in it. I have been kayaking before, and I would like to eventually. So the idea is to get one kayak for now. We can switch off using it um, whenever I'm able to start kayaking. And eventually get another one so that we can go as a family. I think the one that we had has, we can't find one with a hole. So when our child gets big enough, it can, you know, she can um, come join us on the family kayak adventure, but <clears throat> maybe like get a two seater or something. But yeah, that's what uh, he got um, himself for Father's Day. So that'll be fun. I just, I just want to encourage his newfound uh, enthusiasm for water sports. Um, my husband's never been much to, for water, um, for getting in the water after having kind of like a, a, a scary drowning incident when he was like 19 and surfing. But I really think the Cancun trip earlier this year showed him the benefits of not only a tropical vacation, but also the fun that water sports can have. That and he did go canoeing with one of his friends who came to visit us back in March. We have springs nearby. They did go canoeing. They really liked that. And um, I think he's warming up to to just doing water stuff. And I'm I'm down for it because I love I love water. Like I I don't we don't own a pool, which I'm glad we don't because pools are very expensive. But I do love being in the water, swimming around. It's nice and crisp and refreshing especially in Florida, because right now it is hot and humid. It is definitely um, a YouTuber that I watch, Jessica Braun. She just got back from a trip to Disney World, and she and her husband kind of termed Orlando, well, Florida, even though it's a state, but um, as a two-shower town. <laughs> and They're not wrong, especially if you're walking out in the parks all day. Um, if you're spending all your time outside and you shower in the morning and you spend all your time outside, you're going to need another shower in the evening. It's just the heat. It's not, it's the humidity. I would say out of both, the heat is bad. The humidity is worse. The humidity is what makes the heat more unbearable because it's hot. And then on top of that, you just have this like blanket of wetness that you're shouldering. And you just, and even like I was driving around yesterday, like we started to clean out our guest room to make room for baby stuff. It's going to be the baby room. And, um, I like went through a bunch of my book books, on my bookshelf, which was not in the guest room, but books on the bookshelf. We had a game that one of my vendors at work got me as probably like a summer fun package that we know we're never going to use. So I went to go donate those and then swung by target and <clears throat> came home. And even after all of that, I was just like, I was sweaty. Like it was just good like, getting in and out of the car. Um, it, you work up a sweat. So it's definitely that time 
of the year. So anything having to do with the, the water is, I'm all about it. Um, I don't really lay out, like I'm in a layout person. Like some people just like to go to the beach and like lay out all day in the sun. A, I burn and B, it's so hot. Like why? I need something, I need to cool off. I need to cool off and I need to feel refreshed and water is where it's at. So all that to say is my husband is very um, much embracing water sports. I am down with that. I We live right like five minutes from a spring that we haven't really taken that much advantage of. I would like to more often because especially in the summer, it's so much more refreshing on beach. Because like the beach, to me, the beach water stops getting... It stop, stops refreshing. Like May is like the last good time to go to the beach. And I know a lot of people go over the summer. To me, the beach in the summertime is like bath water. So it's like it's already hot and sticky. And then you just go into the beach. And yeah, it's wet. But you go into the water and the water's warm. It's like there's no refreshing. Whereas spring water is freezing cold. It's like 70 degrees or some shit year round. So refreshing. That's like the prime this is the prime time is the springs. Um, we just got to start. We haven't taken advantage of it because a, he's been like not enthusiastic about the water, but also because this is such a popular spring that we need. It's one of those things like you need to get up early in the morning to get there because it'll get full really quickly. And then a line will back up and it's just like one in one out at that point. Like as soon as somebody leaves, the next car can get in, but it's just, it's tedious um, and you can be in line for hours and it blocks the roads. So it's just one of those things like by the time we get up in the morning and it's not even like my husband gets up late because he likes to stay up late. I get up at like seven ish. Um, lately I've been getting up early just because I've been waking up and just being uncomfortable sleeping on my side. But even waking up at seven, I feel like is too late. I feel like you would need to wake up at six and to get to the spring by seven to like have a spot. So when they open, you get in. But all that to say is he got himself a kayak. I'm really encouraging the water sports because like I said, we can all benefit from the kayak. It's super fun. And yeah, summer's in full swing. And that's what uh, we've got in store for Father's Day. I think we're going to do Wings. And it's also Hell in a Cell on WWE, which we watch wrestling. I mentioned that before on the show. So, yeah, that's our day. Okay, so this week's Scent of the Week is another by... Maison Francis Corchon, and it is L'Eau à la Rose Eau de Toilette. Uh, this particular fragrance also comes in an EDP concentration, but uh, for today's purposes, the sample I have is the EDT. And it is a spray sample, so I was able to get, I feel like for as expensive as this house is, his sample set or his samples are really a good deal because you can, it's like four for like 14 euros or something, which obviously with the exchange rate with the US dollar is a little bit more expensive, but still not bad. And you get, let's see, what, how much is in here? It's a two mil sample, which, and it's a spray, which is pretty generous. Cause I think to compare that my six sample from 
six sample set from Frederick Mall. I think it's like one and a half mil or one mil. Um, and it's like, was like 35 bucks. So for four, for two mils for like 14 or like, let's just say 20 bucks for in us dollars is a really, really good deal. So if you have not taken advantage, unless that those prices have changed, I did get this last year. Um, <clears throat> but unless those prices have changed, definitely check it out because it's such a steal. So needless to say, I was able to get three, four wares, four full wares from this. Um, and I use the last of it up today. So the description is like the crest of rose petals gathered at daybreak. This eau de toilette unfolds on the skin with a delicate floral freshness, a drop of perfumed water reflecting a bouquet of 400 freshly bloomed roses, also available in an eau de Eau de Parfum and a scented body range. The notes in here, uh, this is a linear fragrance, meaning it doesn't change from when you first spray it to after it's been sitting on your skin for a while. We've got lychee, Bulgarian damask rose, peony, may rose, absolute, and musk. And on MFK's website, they kind of go into the may rose, which is, um, ooh, oh, I'm an idiot. So this website is so fancy. Then when you scroll down to the notes, it just lands on Centifolia Rose, which is the May Rose. But there's a lot of other, and I saw these letters and I was like, what does this all mean? It's the letter of each note <laughs> that just goes really in depth. So, and I just realized it now. Um, so you've got musks. Let's see. You've got musks, you've got peony, um, centifolia rose, demacina rose, and lychee. And it's interesting, it has, goes into each, I only read the centifolia rose, so I thought they were just going to, I thought th they were focusing on just this rose. Because um, again, I'm an idiot and I don't know what the other letters are and that you were supposed to scroll and it's just the first letter of each note. Um, but something interesting is that the Centifolia rose, aka the May rose, blooms once once a year, which is why it's so expensive to include in the perfume. So perfumes that have sounds like perfumes that have actual May rose absolute and not synthetic are going to be pricier just because the roses are picked by hand, they can't be distilled. Um, it says the the blooms are extracted with volatile solvents to obtain an absolute the rose absolute is used in the heart and basins of a perfume so basically it sounds like it's a pain in the ass to harvest and distill so if you have a perfume with actual may rose absolute expect to pay some money because it sounds like a lot goes into that the other rose they mention is damascena rose and um it's from Persia and it's got honeyed accents and a slightly spicy scent. And it's now cultivated in Bulgaria, Turkey, or Iran. And I have noticed that particularly with my foray into, brief foray into um, like Arabic perfumes and Arabic inspired perfumes, a lot of them use the Damascena rose, which would make sense because that sounds like it's popular or at least cultivated in that part of the world. So, 
Um, so those are the notes. I'm going to have the link to the website where you can go read all the notes yourself. So I'm not going to go in depth in each one, but I wanted to call it the Toon Rose one since that is, those are the stars of this particular show. Okay. As far as the scent goes, I think it's beautiful. Um, in my first impression post on Instagram, I mentioned that it kind of reminded me of a, of a wooden rosary I used to have that smelled like roses. Um, obviously kind of a more elevated scent, but it was kind of in the same, it smelled in a similar vein to this wooden rose that smelled like roses. Um, very pretty, very light, but unfortunately like the EDT to me is too light. I love rose. And so I would be interested in trying to, and sampling the EDP concentration of this. Um, but I do think for my personal taste, the EDT is too light. Um, on me, projection, it's it's not strong by any means. I mean, it's like somebody gets close to you, they can most likely smell it, <clears throat> but you're not gonna like walk by and leave like a huge trail. And to be fair, I don't think, from reading the description, I don't think that's what this particular concentration is meant to do. I think this is meant to be super delicate and fresh and it's not supposed to be in your face and you know leaving that trail i would say total longevity again wearing this in the heat of summer florida summer where even strong perfumes on a good day tend to evaporate a little bit quick more quickly than like the lighter ones i would say about three to four hours on me and then i can still smell it but you really have to get your nose like on your wrist and to really try and smell it. So this definitely sits close to the skin. So if you're like me and you like a little bit more oomph to your fragrances, this one might not be for you unless you like to wear super light fragrances out of the shower. This is a good out of the shower scent because it is so light. Chances are you probably won't smell it on your sheets or anything the next day. It would have totally evaporated. So the next day you can put on a whole new perfume. I don't have to worry about the smells mixing. If that's your concern, that's a weird concern that I have, um, which is why I don't wear perfumes at night. And if I do, it's always my Chanel number no. five, also in that low, it's Chanel number no. five low, which is an EET. Again, super light, lasts about the same as <clears throat> this one, to be honest, like around four hours. But again, it's a fresh, good after the shower smell. Um, I know it won't last that long, which is why I feel free to wear it to bed. So I don't have to worry about like more. Ugh, I dropped the sample. Hang on. <laughs> I, when I record these, I hold the sample in my hand and talk with my hands. And so I don't know why it's just, I, it's just something that I do. Anyway, I dropped the sample. Like I don't wear another reason why I don't wear perfume at night is because my husband's got a fairly strong sense of smell. And so he claims that if I wear a perfume at night and it's all crazy, it'll make him have crazy dreams and it'll keep him up and it'll get him all worked up. <laughs> so that's why if I do, it's always a Chanel number five low because I know it's not going to bother him. And um, it, the next day, I'm not going to really be able to smell it. Maybe I'll smell it on my pajamas, but again, not anything crazy. So that's what this one is. Oh, <laughs> dropped the sample again, but I caught it quick reflexes. So keep that in mind 
with this fragrance. Now, if you're somebody that likes really light fragrances, um, EDTs, you don't want anything that's like super powerhouse, um, then this is a good option for you, for sure, because this is definitely like light, airy, very feminine, um, and just very fresh. And I would say, even if you're not a big rose fan, this one is so light that I feel like it's not off-putting. It doesn't smell like your typical old lady rose because I think rose is one of those notes that can be polarizing depending on how it's done. You either love it or you hate it <clears throat> or you have to love it under very specific circumstances. I love rose. I even like the old lady rose smells. I mean, I just, I love that, that scent. And so to me, I, I, I think it's gorgeous. Um, if you are not a Rose fan, I still think you would like this because it's so light that it's not, and it's not super cloying and it's not overpowering that it, and it doesn't smell old lady. It just smells floral and fresh. So I definitely think this is a good, I don't know about the EDP, have not sampled that. So maybe stay away if you hate roses, but the EDT, I definitely think is worth a shot, at least a sample if you're not a rose fan but but curious because i think this is so it's so light and not too in your face that you would you would like it it's very wear it's a very wearable rose so let's talk about price um we all know by now if you've heard me review any of the other fragrances i've now reviewed this is my third one i've reviewed baccarat rouge 540 which is you know the most famous fragrance probably from this house Oud Satin Mood, which is a personal favorite of mine, and which I will most likely pick up the Fragrinza dupe once I'm done using a bottle of one of my perfumes in my collection. <clears throat> um, and now this one. So if you're familiar at all with this house, they are not cheap at all. So <clears throat> for the EDT, this is all in euros. The EDT 2.4 fluid ounce, the natural spray, is 150 euros. Let's, you know what? I will even, I normally don't do this, but you know what? I'll do a little currency converter for you. All right. So, 150 euro, it's about 177.82 uh, for in USD, for the US dollar. Um, the 1.2 fluid ounces is 90 euro. And so what's that? 106 bucks. So if you buy straight from the website, I mean, I don't know what taxes are like. That might up the price. Um, it's still it's still expensive, but not nearly as expensive as like Baccarat Rouge 540, which is like, I think, 220 on the quote unquote cheaper end. Now, what are some listings? Let's see. Yep. Now, Neiman Marcus, one is 225. Um, the 2.4 is 225. Uh, 275 at Bloomingdale's. That might be the EDP, though, and not the, the Eau de Toilette. Um, yeah, you're looking at, in America, the around $225. Like I mentioned with, plus if you're buying online, maybe shipping, I don't know, there might, it might, there might not be any shipping because some usually it's free shipping over like 60 bucks. So this is way over 60 bucks. But what I found when I bought 
not when I bought, but with like Baccarat Rouge and Nude Satin Mood. I feel like buying from MFK's website directly might be cheaper than buying through an, like an American retailer, just because A, in the price in, once you translate the price from euros to dollars, it'll be cheaper. Usually buying directly from a brand's website, you don't have to do deal with shipping. It's usually complimentary shipping on all orders. Um, yeah, free shipping, same here. And I don't know if taxes play into it. That might be, maybe it's not in the long run cheaper, but because I felt like the Baccarat Rouge 540 was $200 after you con converted the currency, buying from Maison Francis Corchon. Um, whereas, you know, it's 225 and up buying from an American retailer. But again, with taxes and like duty um, stuff, that might be a wash. It might be the same price no matter where you buy. But just something to kind of price it on your end. If you have the money and you want to splurge, uh, definitely um, just do your math and get the best, you know, the the best deal for you. So not expensive. Obviously, I'm not going to be purchasing this anytime soon. It's pretty, but it's too light for me. Um, at some point, definitely want to try the EVP version um, to see how that smells. Probably still won't buy it because this house is way out of my price range. But <clears throat> it's gorgeous. I mean, even the, even the fragrances I'm not too crazy about, like Baccarat Rouge 540, you can still smell the quality and the care that goes into them. So... It's a beautiful fragrance. They have beautiful fragrances. I, I think I can see why the price point is where it's at. Um, unfortunately, out of my league right now. But you know what? That's okay. <laughs> That's it is what it is. Um, I still enjoy sampling them and getting to wear them for a time, however brief. But that's my rundown. Um, let me know what you think if you've tried this particular fragrance, if you've tried the EDP as well as the EDT, if you want to compare and contrast. I'm very curious to see how the EDP is different besides obviously being stronger than the EDT. Okay, so fragrance in the news. I have <clears throat> two articles for you. One's a fun listicle and one is an interesting thought piece. Uh, we'll start with that one because that one's a little bit more on the serious side. It's from Harper's Bazaar and the title is, Why Are We Still Describing Perfumes as Oriental? Which is, to be honest, that's something I have thought about myself. And it's talking about how <clears throat> the beauty world, namely in this case fragrance, is trying to evolve its language to... Um, be to kind of meet trying to evolve the language it's it's language to be more offen, uh, not more offensive less offensive and more inclusive excuse me to kind of reflect the culture that we're in currently there we go and it's and i mean obviously if you're listening to this podcast you're a perfume enthusiast you know that it is <laughs> there is a family of fragrances that's called oriental fragrances and the term, at least in the U.S., Oriental, has has since been, it's, it's not, you know, it's considered offensive to describe someone who is from like an Asian country as an Oriental. That's just no longer um, considered acceptable in our culture. 
I don't know where it is elsewhere in the world. Uh, just, I can only speak for the U.S. But there's still a family of fragrances that are is known as oriental, and it's usually used to describe fragrances that are spicy. They tend, tend to be, um, let's see, what do they, let's see. Yeah, they usually have like sandalwood, patchouli, amber, incense, things like that. So it, it can range from even like Middle Eastern, um, it's kind of a catch-all phrase for like a fragrance that can be from the Middle East, that can be inspired by culture of India or, or a culture of like China or Japan, Taiwan, you know, all of those. It's like a catch-all lump sum term and they tend to be spicy and resinous and it's kind of like now the fragrance community is trying to find a more appropriate term to refer to these family of fragrances since oriental is very the term oriental is very outdated so um i guess right now they're batting around the words like spicy which i think it, i think why not use why not make a fam call that call call them spicy perfumes because most perfumes that are currently being referred to as oriental do have a little bit of spice <laughs> they're very they tend to be stronger they tend to be very spicy and they tend to have notes like oud and stuff like that so just call them call it what it is call it spice um resinous was another one the organization that's kind of like leading the I would say leading the conversation is the Fragrance Foundation. And they're trying to <clears throat> come up with other terminology to replace, that would sufficiently replace the term Oriental. So <clears throat> it's not, they say it's not formal or official. And every brand and fragrance house and retailer does have the freedom to determine its own language, which is interesting. So because I always thought the term Oriental was like a, I mean, it's a, it's a fragrance thing, but I always thought it was just like a, kind of like an official family and it's not. So um, <clears throat> that's interesting to note. So I guess it's just kind of an interesting conversation starter. And I have often thought myself like why we still refer to certain families of fragrances as, as Oriental when the term Oriental is all, but nobody uses that term anymore just because it's so offensive. Um, but we still use it in fragrance and nobody seems to bat an eye. So I've always wondered like if that would never change or maybe like nobody cared and maybe it wasn't considered offensive in the perfume world. I don't know. So I think it's definitely interesting, definitely an interesting conversation, a thought piece, conversation starter. I would be interested to see if this changes because I mean, I, my limited, <laughs> fragrance collecting experience. I mean, I started at 19 and I'm 37 now. And I've always heard the term oriental in terms of like describing certain fragrances. So I am sure that it's been around since forever. Those who were into fragrances in the 80s and 90s, let me know, like confirm or deny, but I'm pretty sure this has like been around since probably fragrance was invented. <laughs> so I wonder how hard it will be to change kind of the, the language around it. Not that it can't be done, but it's just interesting. And I, I would be interested to know like what you guys think.
Like if you've often wondered that too, if you find it offensive when talking about a perfume or if you've never really thought about it just because that's always been something to refer to that particular family of fragrances and you've never thought twice about it. Um, I'm just curious. Like I'm looking, I'm on the Sephora app now. I'm going to click shop and I'm going to look at fragrance because you can sort by fragrance family. Oh, they do not. They don't use Oriental. I used to, I thought they used Oriental. They have warm and spicy. They have floral, fresh, warm and spicy, earthy and woody, which I think warm and spicy would, is, is apt enough because why is princess in the warm and spicy? Okay. I'm getting sidetracked, but I would think warm and spicy is a very apt description of what is currently being referred to as an Oriental fragrance. Because these are warmer fragrances. They are spicy. Just call it a spicy fragrance family. I feel like that's easy enough. People are describing them as spicy anyway. I don't know. But I'm, I'm curious to know what you think. I'm curious. I don't know if I have listeners that are Asian or, you know, or Middle Eastern, Arabic, even Indian, which technically India is part of Asia, so they would technically be Asian. But, you know, I don't <clears throat> know if I have any listeners, but I'm curious from your point of view, if you would like to see the fragrance community stop referring to these fragrances as Orientals, Oriental fragrances, or if you don't care, um, what is your take on it? Do you find it offensive as well? Um, or do you you haven't thought about it much yourselves because that's just always been how it's how it's been referred to. I'm very interested to hear this conversation from like all sides because I only have my own limited experience as a white woman in America. So definitely want to know what um, other thoughts are around this term being used to describe a certain group of fragrances. If you care, if you don't care, what do you think is a good option instead? All right, the second one is a little bit more lighter, and it is from Refinery29, and it is reviewing, apparently, Joe Malone and Zara Perfumes has teamed up to create four more fragrances. Now, you guys know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a length of time, you know how I feel about Joe Malone fragrances. I find them boring and uninspired. I know that's harsh, but I do. I think it's like candles bam, chef's kiss, great fragrances for room sprays. I think as like perfumes and colognes to wear on my skin, I think they're a little meh, but <clears throat> I think it's great because they have, I, I have heard that they, I think they have a collection already with Zara. Like they did a couple of perfumes already with Zara, with Zara, 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 Zara. Um, and I think that this is a great way, if you love Jo Malone fragrances, <clears throat> this is a good way to score Jo Malone fragrance without paying that Jo Malone price tag because that's another gripe that I have with that house is that the, the prices are so expensive for what you get. They're, they're eau de cologne. So cologne concentrations, which is like the lightest concentration from my understanding on like the, the scale. So you've got like extrait de parfum, which is like the highest concentration of perfume oils. It's going to be the most expensive um, perfume out there on the market. And you've got Eau de Parfum, Eau de Toilette, and then Eau de Cologne. And 
it go in like the cologne is like the weakest concentration of perfume oils. And Joe Malone retails for like, like 170, 180, like almost $200 for the perfumes. So for what they are, for boring scents and for how long that they don't last, it's, I feel like they're severely overpriced. However, I would consider if I liked Joe Malone fragrances or even if I did, didn't, but wanted something cheap, but to still smell good, I would consider the Joe Malone and, Fra and Zara fragrance collection because all of these are priced at, this is in pounds, so 25 pounds and 95 pence. I don't know how that, how do you say that? I know I sound like an idiot, um, but 25.99 pounds. <laughs> and you know what? Now that I've got my currency converter pulled up, I'll go ahead and convert that for you. You're welcome. Pound sterling. Okay. So, so 25.99 pounds sterling. It's $35.90 US dollars. Still very affordable for Joe Malone. And so she's got they've got four of them. And the first one is Rose Petal Drops EDP. It's 25, you'll just round it up, 26 pounds sterling for 90 milliliters. Um, they call it a much more modern rose, um, a little bit like a Turkish delight, but, and it does, when you first spread, I guess it comes off really sweet, but it does dry down to something that's warm and a little bit sexy. Um, they say it lasted pretty well on the skin. Uh, this particular person said it lasted better than some of her designer perfumes. Didn't say how long it lasted, but she was pleased with how, how much, how long it lasted and that it lasted on her clothes for a lot longer. Um, <clears throat> she, she said the packaging was very Luke's and the bottle was, was very big. And for what you get, like 26 pounds sterling, $31. It's, it's a way to smell Luke's on a budget. And that's kind of the, the recurring theme in all of these reviews is that they always come back to the price and the packaging, how it's so much more elevated than what the price would suggest. Uh, the second one is Bergamot and Leather Spritz, EDP. And <clears throat> this one, ha it says, this one is described as light sweetness with a real punch of musk. And it's a little masculine. But again, they say they were pleased with the longevity and the packaging. Um, again, they said that they were able to, excuse me, smell expensive without paying that expensive price tag. Next up we have, excuse me, I'm uh, stuffed up. Obviously, I'm always stuffed up despite getting allergy shots and taking allergy medicine. Just going through and like weeding out the books and everything in the guest closet just got, you know, it kicked up dust. And of course my nose is like shot from that. Okay. Next up we've got citrus Mies, M-E-Z-E, E-D-P. All of these are, all of these are the same price point, by the way, 26 pounds sterling, $30 for 90 milliliters. And they say this is, um, it smells like fresh, freshly squeezed grapefruit and lime with a floral undertone, which sounds really nice. Like that sounds like if you like citrus, if 
fragrances, maybe citrus. I guess these would be called freshies for summer. This might be worth checking out. Um, and again, they say that the the perfume, I guess, well, they say the perfume will last a while because it's so big, but um, the, again, the packaging felt very sleek for the price point. And last up, we have Amber and Fig Cashmere EDP. Uh, this one sounds like it's more of like an aftershavey type of uh, fragrance. It says, yeah, that's what it says. It smells more like a deep aftershave than a light summery spritz. And they liked it, but it sounds like this might be more for a man. I mean, listen, obviously the whole wear what you want, regardless of gender. But the name intrigues me, but it sounds like this is more masculine leaning in the aftershave department. So just a fair warning there. Um, but yeah, so everybody had something good to say about these fragrances with Zara. Everybody unequivocally said that for the price point, they were very pleased with the longevity as well as the packaging. Um, and they also, they smelt very fancy without having to drop a ton of money, which one of the reasons why I love fragrances is because you can find something at almost every price point. And a lot of people, you know, they're like, fragrance is so, like, perfumes are so expensive. We don't, um, we don't see paying so much money for scented water. You don't really have to, though. Like, if you know where to look, and even like Zara, like, people love Zara perfumes for that, precisely that same thing is because even Zara, even the perfumes that are outside of, like, the Joe Malone collection have very good reviews for, um, for what they are. They are inexpensive, and they still smell pretty. So gonna get off my soapbox. But if you're curious about the new Joe Malone collection, hopefully that will wet your whistle a little bit. I don't know if these are in stores or if it's online only, but there you go. They're out and they're affordable. And there we have it. This wraps up this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening, whether you're new or you've been with me since the beginning. I appreciate you all. If you, if the spirit moves you and you want to subscribe and leave a rating on Apple Review, Apple Podcasts, sorry, um, I will be much obliged. Uh, that's still the platform where most of my listens happen according to my analytics. And doing so will just put this podcast more front and center to people who have not heard of it before. Um, I would love to grow this little podcast um, and make it into something great. Even though already, it already is great, but even better. You know what I mean? And if you have left a rating and review already, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. I check them once in a while and uh, it's always encouraging to see when somebody does that. So thank you. If you want to connect with me online, you can do so. I'm on Instagram at Pino and Perfume. You can also email the show, Pino and Perfume Podcast at gmail.com. And I'm also on Peloton at Pino and Perfume there. That's not really related to anything, but if you use the app like I do and you want to be workout buddies and follow me, definitely follow me. I will follow you back. Um, if you love Emily in Paris 
or you love to hate Emily in Paris, I have a second podcast with my friend Jenna. We are currently on hiatus since uh, they are, I think they are filming as we speak, but it's an, we have a podcast called Savoir Shade. It's an Emily in Paris recap blog. Uh, all of season one is up plus a bonus Christmas episode since we started this, started the podcast like around this time, like last summer, I think. Because we both started watching Emily in Paris randomly and then would talk, you know, text each other while we were watching the show, talking shit. Um, so that's up. We go on some real tangents. So if that sounds like your thing, um, definitely tune in there. It's You can listen to it on the same platforms you can listen to this one. Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know, the whole nine yards. I think that's it. Um, as always, you know, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And as always, I hope you are having fun. You are being safe. But most importantly, you are smelling good. Bye. Pinot and Perfume is hosted and produced by yours truly, Sarah Chacon. Theme music is Around the Bend by Evan Schaefer.